Hello, hello, hello! I am Matt Williams, this is the Locked On NFL Podcast. How is everyone this wonderful Wednesday? Today is Twitter Thursday, and you know what tomorrow is? Twitter Thursday. We're just going to do a lot of listener questions these next two days before I vamoose for a week. Uh, I am Matt Williamson. I am the founder of WilliamsonFootball.com. I'm Matt Williamson NFL. I was a scout for the Browns. I was a recruiting assistant for Pitt for three years way back when. I put 10 years in at ESPN as a feature analyst, writer, all those good things. And I presented this to you guys a little while ago to get me the your Twitter questions. And there's plenty here. So we'll, we'll get maybe a couple more for tomorrow. But um, RBPA Football asked me, your thoughts on going to 12-minute quarters? Less wear and tear, shorter games, opens the door for a possible 18-game season. And I guess owners could look at it that way and say, hey, what if we play the same amount of minutes in a year, give or take, and one more game, or two more games, or whatever, and we make more money? (laughs) Um, I think the game time, you know, as a fan, as an analyst, to me, is great the way it is. It doesn't need to be changed. I know this sounds kind of goofy, but it would, you know, change all the records and all the different... It would just change the game so much. I'm not for it, but I guess the the logic of, hey, you know, let's make some bucks here would make some sense. Um, Hiram Boyd, who often writes in, Hiram asked me, do you think the Eagles have a good enough running game? Personally, not impressed. Uh, I disagree. First of all, I think it's possibly the best offensive line in the league. I think the scheme, you know, RPO driven amongst other things, is very friendly to the running game and the running backs. Jay Ajayi's not a personal favorite of mine, but I like Ajayi, I think, more than most analysts out there do. I think he's more talented. And when he got his feet under him in Philadelphia and down the stretch... They leaned on him more and more and more. And I think that's a sign of things to come. But I also think a very underrated player around the NFL is is Clement. I think he's a very Rex Burkhead type. You know, that he's not just a receiving back, but he's good at it. And he's good at everything he does. And again, the scheme, the weapons, Wentz, the line... I think the the running game's more than fine. And, in fact, I think it'll be a little better this year than it was last year. And last year it was good enough to win the Super Bowl. Yesterday I mentioned that we have a new sponsor, Core, K-O-R-E, Core Essentials. And what the, the deals with these guys is they make the best belt that you'll ever own. What makes the Core Track belt so awesome? They don't have belt holes. Like, what are you talking about, Williamson? I mean, they don't have belt holes. Yeah, that's right. Instead, their belts use a hidden track in the back of the belt with over 40 size points to choose from. Like, there's not this big gap between your holes and your belt where you get this one that's a little too tight or this one's a little too loose. There's many options in between with the core product. So, ever wonder why your pants slip and turn that waistline into a gut? Every day as you work, walk, eat, and play, your waistline fluctuates, you know? In and out, just a little bit every time. You know, if you weigh yourself often, you see that your weight fluctuates. You know, we're, our bodies don't stay the same day to day. So the core track, the, the core track belt adjusts to match your waist exactly. Each point on the core track belt is just a quarter inch apart. 
That simple. Small innovation means you get a precise, steady, and comfortable fit every time you put it on. Removing or adjusting your track belt is simple. Pinch the small tab under the buckle. Easy. Core's patented design also makes it easy to remove their, the buckle or swap styles, and they have a lot of cool styles. Core track belt ships one size to fit every waist from 24 to 44 inches, and then they have an XL one for that goes up to 54 inches. So you size yourself using a real easy guide. Core offers a full line of fashion belts, including classic double-stitched with full-grain leather, smooth belts with no stitching, as well as gun belts for concealed carry. They also offer a stylish assortment of buckle faces made, made using solid stainless steel or high-grade zinc alloys. Core's men belts carry a 30-day money-back guarantee and a full one-year warranty in case any defects, unusual wear, breakage. So feel confident when you shop to know that you're covered. But trust me, you're not going to need that. You're going to love it, and you're going to want to get rid of all your other belts. So this is what you do. You visit Core Essentials, all one word, to learn more and get your own Core Track Belt to see firsthand why it's the best belt you'll ever own. Seriously, once you go Core Track, you'll never go back. And we've got a special offer just for you guys. You get 10% off your order when you use our code LOCKEDON. I think you need to use all caps. LOCKEDON, all one word. That's CORE with a K, K-O-R-E, Essentials.com. And use the code LOCKEDON to save 10% off your order. All right, next question. Charles asked me, favorite stadium to tailgate and watch a game? Um, Many of you are much more experts on this situation than I am. You know, growing up, this isn't going to surprise you, as a teenager, college student, all that, as a fan, we used to tailgate heavily at Three River Stadium. Pirate games, too. It was also a great way to kind of sneak off and get away with things that you couldn't get away in the suburbs. So I spent many, many a day, and back in when I was a young pup, tailgating. And it was always outside Three Rivers. And Three Rivers was not a great stadium. I mean, it was just a cookie-cutter, two-sports type of stadium. But it was awesome down by the rivers and all those good things. That being said, I haven't really tailgated since. Not for a football game. I mean, because I was a pit, you know, and we... I was showing kids around pregame, obviously. I was working. As the director of football ops at Akron, I was never there for games, and I wouldn't have been tailgating anyway. With the Browns, I was either in a suit in the stadium, you know, in the box with the other scouts and whatnot, or occasionally I was going to different, you know, other games and scouting other teams, especially in the preseason. And I went to Buffalo, I went to Carolina, I probably went to five different stadiums in that year I was with the Browns. And then 10 years at ESPN, well... Game day, I'm glued to the TV, taking notes left and right, and and since then I do the same. So, I don't really tailgate. I never really have. It's one of the several few small things that I dislike about my job, and I often bring it up to you. Or I have brought it up to you too that I don't get to do normal, fun fan things. You know, with my son who's really into this and all this type of things too. I don't get to take him to games and have a brat with them before. So you guys let me know on this. I mean, is there an underrated one out there? I mean, the two that really come to mind are Green Bay and Kansas City. You know, the brats, the food, the fans. You know, that's kind of the only show in town, and to some degree, I mean, they're huge fan bases, you know, awesome fan bases. Um, Buffalo looked like an awfully fun crew that I, when I was driving through there. I will say the Steelers do it right. 
So let me know. Drop me a line or two on, you tell me, for Twitter Thursday tomorrow, give me three or four of your favorite spots. And you can use your hometown team, and I just cheated and did that too. But give me a couple that you've been to, either, you know, with your team visiting or, you know, whatever, that you thought was a great atmosphere for having a couple beverages and a dog or two. Jerry Linder asks, when do you start worrying about Aaron Donald's contract situation? And while we talk about this, let's talk about Brandon Cooks, too. Those of you who don't know, the Rams extended Cooks to a five-year deal. Um, he is one of several massive-name free agents to be. Peters, Joyner, Sue, Donald, that I don't know how they'll get them all locked up. But let me tell you my real quick thoughts on Cooks, because I meant to do that at the beginning of the show anyway, and I forgot. A huge key to the Shanahan, McVay, and their offenses aren't the same. But if you recall, both those guys were on Mike Shanahan's staff when RG3 burst into the league. And those guys have always utilized a speed receiver. Think to Sean Jackson when he was with Washington. You know, right now it's it's uh, Godwin or Goodwin. I'm sorry, in San Francisco. Last year it was Sammy Watkins. Although I think Watkins and Cooks are more well-rounded than a guy like Goodwin or Jackson. You know, they had a guy like that in Atlanta as well. You know, Burner. And the key to it is that scares defensive coordinators. Like the pure speed guy, Ted Ginn. You know, that is he a great football player? No, he does one thing. He does it well. But one thing that the Rams and you know, Shanahan and McVay and these great designers of plays use so well is it's almost like a decoy, and Watkins was used this way heavily, that when you have that pure speed guy and you can take a corner or a safety or both and take them far away from the line of scrimmage in a short amount of time, you know, two seconds into play, one second into play, this guy's flying on the field, and you have to react accordingly – well, that gives them a lot of room, think geometry, to play design at the first and second level, the short to intermediate zones, and it makes it that much easier. So it's part of the beauty of their system. And that doesn't mean they don't throw bombs to Cooks, but he absolutely brings that to the table. And without that guy, they need that guy. I mean, they have to have a burner, and that's why they reacted the way they did to go get Cooks when they lost Watkins. And again, I think Cooks is a, a better version of that, as is Watkins. As for Donald, I got to think that the Rams, now Cooks locked up, someone that I just mentioned is going to get franchised. And Donald, to me, they can't let leave. You know, like, he, for the best will of the team and to keep everybody happy and to get your best players under contract for an extended period of time, Donald has to be the next priority. But if you're so far off, and we've talked, I've told you about this before, too, that Donald's such a good player that getting him at the franchise tag number, which has to be the jumping off point, and that's where it was like with Lev Bell, isn't a good enough deal for Donald. He's worth more than being a top five defensive tackle. He has to be the highest paid defensive player in the league to get you know, a, a contract that's worthy of his talents and abilities to the field. That being said, I know he missed one game last year. He sat out, but I think he quickly realized getting that check, missing that check's no fun. That 
he probably he, he's not going to go anywhere. I mean, worst case scenario is he gets franchised this year, and we're having the same conversation a year from now. They can't let him leave no matter what. Um, Kyle Gerard Bauer asks, would the NFL ever consider a 14-team playoff, seven per conference, only the one seed gets a bye, more revenue from the additional game per conference is attractive, yes. Um, I suppose. I, I can't find a huge flaw in that, and, and I do kind of like the fact that one team only gets a buy. You know, it's like it's a true treat. Um, what are the, what is wrong with that system? I mean, I guess there's some purists out there that would say that's too many teams making the playoffs. And maybe it is, but an awful lot of hockey teams go to the playoffs. An awful lot of basketball teams go to the playoffs. And I know those are seven-game series, and it's a lot harder for the better team to get upset on a given day. But, wow, that would be pretty fun wild, wild card weekend, wouldn't it? Um, I lean towards no, but I don't have a great reason why. So, uh, take that as you will. Okie dokie. Speaking of the Rams, Eric Mishkin asks, Who won the offseason for 2018? Rams seems obvious. Also, who's the biggest loser of 2018? This time of year, no one looks like a loser. You know, it goes back to my theory that this is the best your team will ever look, yada yada. And the Rams are interesting. I mean, they're certainly in it to win it and star power. And I was actually on the radio in Vancouver today, and we were talking a lot of Rams for whatever reason. It just went that direction. And some of it was, you know, the Cook's contract is what started it. And one thing about this team is I think they're extremely well coached philosophically, schematically on both sides of the ball. They're very top-heavy in terms of their roster, and we know all the stars. I mean, they have the most true stars in the league. But they were the healthiest team in the league last year. And you can say this about any team, but they're not going to be the healthiest team in the league again this year. You know, that they're probably going to be middle of the road, like is the, is the norm. And if injuries do hit those wrong guys, it could derail really quickly. I also mentioned yesterday, I think, that not that I said Goff is an overrated player, but he's more of a work in progress than people realize, and he's not there yet, and he's not even out of the woods of, boy, I'm confident that he's a stud. Um, things were made easier for him, you know, and in some ways it was kind of like Dak's rookie year. Different, but sort of the same. Um, but yeah, I mean, to give Wade Phillips... Sue Donald Peters to leave to defend the pass is almost unfair. I mean, you give a great poker player a bunch of aces almost, you know. I mean, so I, I guess, I mean, I think that they're on that list, but they lost some guys, you know, Ogletree, Twin, Quinn, you know, Watkins gets swapped out. The Bears absolutely come to mind, though, too. Um, I don't know who lost the offseason, but the Bears absolutely come to mind. Reminiscent of the Rams a year ago of signing a very early pick, or drafting a very early quarterback, and then in his second season, surrounding him with an awful lot of talent that absolutely fits the new coach's approach to playing offense, which is going to be similar to what I mentioned with Shanahan, what I mentioned you know, with McVay, that I think they've done a tremendous job with that. And then you throw Roquan into the mix, too, and... I don't want to say he's Dick Buckus, Mike Singletary, you know, Erlacher, 
But boy, is he perfect for there. And exactly what the doctor ordered. Face of that defense. And I'm not going to pick the, the Bears to win the, go to the playoffs or anything like that. But I do think their offseason is really sweet. The Bald Truth asked me, I'm hearing a lot of excitement about James Washington. Do you see him having 2018 value, or is he strictly a dynasty asset at this point? Obviously, this is a fantasy-based question. Um, I'm going to make it as much of an NFL as fantasy answer. I've obviously seen Washington in person now, and I've sat down and interviewed him. He is a tough guy. He plays hard. He stood out for sure in mini camps. There's a lot of ability there. Um, I didn't think he would last as long in the draft as he did. Not that he was a big faller, but I thought he had a potential late first round, early, early second round type of prospect. Um, I think he has a very good opportunity to see the field immediately. The Steelers play a ton of three receiver sets, as everyone does, and he will see a lot of snaps. I mean, for fantasy, I think he's very much a dynasty asset. And I, I these numbers, because it's, again, it's a Pittsburgh thing. So generally, I think you can count on the Steelers to throw about 600 passes. And I think about assuming health, which you shouldn't, but I think about 400 of those 600 go to Brown, Bell, and Juju. And if one of those guys gets hurt or misses any time, obviously that sways things dramatically. So it never quite works out this way. And I'm not a big doing fantasy projections type of guy because it's easier just to write it down on a piece of paper than the reality actually works. But that leaves 200 targets for McDonald. Washington, you know, those to me, to me would be the top two to fight for those, as well as the loose ends to Jesse James and Hayward Bay and Hunter, whoever, another running back catching a few balls, Jalen Samuels. So I think he could help your fantasy team this year, yes. I very much like him for the long term. I think he will develop his game and be much more than a deep threat. He kind of has that Golden Tate type of body. I think he could be a tackle breaker. I think he could be a hit him on a slant and run through a corner tackle and pick up 15, you know, I think there'll be more to him than that. And he is a hard worker and he's tough and he's, he's got a thick, strong body. One thing that does worry me though, if if he busts, I think we'll look back and say he wasn't fast enough to be a run past you deep threat. And he wasn't tall long enough to be a go up and get it deep threat. You know, like his immediate contributions right now are going to be, running fast on the sideline on deep routes. but And he did that tremendously well at the college level. And I also think having Mason Rudolph and him together in camp and as they learn the system together would be really, really good for them. But maybe at the NFL level, it won't translate because he's a 4-5 guy. You know, I mean, he's not Tyreek Hill. He's not Deshaun Jackson or Ted Ginn, those guys we were talking about before. And he doesn't look like A.J. Green. You know, that even if you're, you know, you're, you're winning even if the corner's on your hip pocket. You know, you can still go up and get the ball because of your length. He does play big and he has good ball skills. And we sat down with the Steelers wide receiver coach. This is just an interesting note because I think this is an interesting scouting little tidbit that I hadn't thought of with him when he came out and when he got picked. But we sat down with the Steelers wide receiver coach after Washington was selected. And one thing he said is they run so many routes in that system, you know, that Texas Tech type of spread you know, throw the ball every down, that he runs 
so many more routes than he will at the NFL level that one thing about him is he showed great stamina throughout the course of a game where maybe he is a 4-5 flat guy, but he's running a 4-5 flat on his first route and deep into the fourth quarter, even at the college level when he runs 80 routes. You know what I mean? Like, so that's something I hadn't really thought of ever and really in my career is, you know, these guys run a lot of routes. They noticeably, you know, some guys are going to slow down more in the fourth quarter than others. And I've thought about it a little, but I haven't in a while. And that was an interesting tidbit on Washington is he is, you know, he keeps it going. He's got the stamina. And he's in great shape. All right. Um, I planned on doing a couple more today, but I just recorded the Dynasty Blueprint <laughs> podcast. If you like fantasy, check that out. And my computer is dying at a rapid rate because I've been yapping into this microphone for going on two hours now. That went longer than expected. So I have to cut you short. And if you keep giving me Twitter questions, maybe I'll even record two podcasts before I leave for vacation, release them a few hours apart, because you guys have been getting much better questions. So maybe we'll do that. Over and out.